gentlemen. Welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is the November 4th game against the New York Islanders. And, and what good a night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll call this game Montreal Canadiens versus the second period. Essentially what happened was, let's go first period. We got a goal from Brock Nelson, his third of the season from Anthony Beauvillier, Kyle Palmieri. Um, kind of a slow period for the Canadians, kind of like uh, the rest of the season, but... Um, you know, things looked decent, at least offensively. It looked like we were getting some kind of pressure, especially in the corners, which I was not expecting against the New York Islanders. Um, you know, obviously really solid decor uh, and uh, really solid goaltending, and we kind of saw that throughout the whole first period. You know, Brock Nelson gets one on the board. Um, first off, forgot to mention uh, Jonathan Druin wasn't playing. Yeah, so but Johnson, he was out of the hospital. Yeah, so they were just double. They were just making sure he wasn't like really, uh, you know, really injured. They wanted to kind of just give him the night off, like you guys probably know. Um, so we took, we pulled up Josh Brook. Um, what else am I missing? And uh, Romanov's in. Yeah, there was there wasn't too many lineup changes other than Jonathan Drew being out, but. Um, yeah, it was just you know yeah, it was, first it was, period. First period didn't look terrible. I mean, it looked like a lot of like what we saw this season of really slow starts. We're getting some shots on net, but they're not dangerous shots. These are shots from the point with kind of like no traffic, no slot chances, no no one in front of the net, like nothing like we saw last year, right? So then we go to the second period, and holy shit, what the hell happened? Uh, Brock Nelson happened. Frankly, um, no, we got a goal from Wallstrom, then Nelson, then Nelson, then Pajot. And the Canadians just seemed to give up. The last 10 minutes of that period, like, it was just brutal. Well, oh, yeah, that's the thing. The goals came at 12, 15, and 18. Yeah. So we're the three last goals, anyway. So we're talking about every two, three minutes they would score. None of them were on the power play, yeah. but you would swear they were. Because the Canadians absolutely gave up. And, you know, in Canadians, I'm just going to jump, like, way ahead. We can come back. In Canadians, like, fashion, Suzuki scores shorthanded from Savard. And then Defoli gets a power play goal from Suzuki and Dvorak. I'll say Suzuki had himself a night. He seems to really be picking up. Yeah. Um, but in general, just this team did exactly. If you look at when the Habs scored, 15 minutes and 17 minutes, it's like, yeah, shocker. Uh, the Canadians have a five-minute push down 5 nothing, yeah. to which they made it 5-2, and Nelson got his fourth of the night yeah, at 6-2. Like, against the, a New York Islanders team that, you know, for the past three years has kind of struggled offensively, but, you know, is kind of not really worried about it because that's just not their game, right? I mean, they, they, they run a really, really solid defensive uh, strategy. Um, to let in, to allow six goals from the, from the New York Islanders, like, that has to be a glaring indicator of the state of our defense. And, um, you know, especially none of that from Barzal, um, you know, not from Bailey, who's having a really good year. I mean, just weird, weird game and, like, really uh you know it's in tandem with kind of the rest of the year i'm i i'm i'm really worried about this this team but specifically this decor like this is not a winning decor like we need major major moves defensively and um it's just tough cuz you also have to contrast it with offensive troubles that we clearly have we clearly can turn on the jets with 5 minutes left yeah. But that's just not enough. And again it's it's at the very least the silver lining is the players that should be scoring are scoring yeah. Um, now, anyway, yeah. Yeah, so I'm saying that's that's one leaf we've so turned over. So game, yeah. Exactly. Um, and end of the season. I will say, I don't know in the how. I know we have a pretty long homestand now. Yeah. I am making a... I don't think it's a bold prediction. I don't some, think anything's bold might, Some might point. say it's a bold prediction, but 
I'm making a, I guess, let's say, judgment call that by the time the Canadians go on their next home uh, road trip, which, again, I think might be over two weeks from now, because I know at least until the 12th we're at home. Okay. Um, I believe that one of or both Mark Bergevay and Dom Ducharme will be gone. I yeah. don't think we will... I think they will let them have the homestand and then go into the road trip, which is typically, I think, around this time, the Western Canada road trip, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, at least so. um, I, I think that is when they will... I think it'll start with Ducharme. And then yeah, I think Bergevin will get the rest of the year. To be honest, I I think at the only thing is, and and this isn't uh, me taking this idea from TSN six ninety. This is just a point that I believe it was uh, Tony Marinaro made, or maybe Darren Drager. Um, if Bergevin is not going to be back next year, he needs to go at the soonest point possible. Whoever's coming in, and it's not because like you know he's trying to sabotage the team or you know any of these just things his heart's not there it's his heart's not there and also for the next guy you want to give him as much data points as possible so if Bergevin is not you know committed to next year at this point he needs to go yeah i know i kind of agree it's 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 kind of a rough situation when you're goaltending when you're goaltending when your coach and your gm has to go like yeah you know I, you know, there's a lot of talk about Bergevin going, heading out, you know, southwest and like California, you know, big, you know, growing hockey market there. And, you know, they have a lot of GM issues down there and like LA and all these places are looking for a new GM. Mark Bergevin really, really fits their mold down there. But um, I'm looking around and who do you think is a, is a, you know, reasonable pickup for us here? I mean, like. Pick up a uh, player or manager? wise GM-wise, it's hard. Now, I, I think we're seeing two kinds of GMs now coming forward. We see the Kyle Dubas-style analytics guys, which are building teams, you know, like uh, you know, like the Toronto Maple Leafs that are kind of, uh, and, and somewhat to the same effect, the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. And I was going to say, like Tampa, but that's still Detroit because it's Iserman. Um, you've got these guys who are really big on analytics and kind of making the right plays, but who are building through the draft. And that's something I'm sure we'll talk about. We'll have our own whole podcast on it if and when the Canadians uh, do have a change in management. But the other side of it is you have hockey players. And I mean hockey managers. So, for example, Mark Bergevin is a hockey player-based GM. He goes for the player. Yeah. And... Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, because another player, another GM who, you know, really is focused on the players is Joe Sackick in Colorado. He's not an analytics guy. He really kind of pushes the, uh, you know, the character and also yeah, just like the... 90s style hockey. Exactly. And so we're seeing, you know, there's success and there's failures on both. I'm actually not on podcast, but on my own time, I think I'm going to go look through and see, like, you know, each GM and what, what the success yeah, rate is. Yeah, interesting, because you can kind of classify them sort of like how players are classified exactly. in terms of their style. I think, like most valuable players, I think the, you know, the real gold mine kind of lies somewhere in between, where you get exactly. kind of like a, um, you know, Steve Eisman actually kind of fits that. You know I, mean? like I think he, Steve Eisman might be the best GM we've yeah. seen in the last 20 years, because that guy... I'm telling you now, Detroit's going to be an absolute unit in a couple years. The young guys they have coming up are fantastic. I can promise you, no matter what, wherever they finish, they're going to be drafting a great second-line centerman. They don't waste money on things they don't need. Um, Just honestly, overall, the whole thing with that is that, yeah, to answer your question, I think the Canadians... 
I think Jeff Molson will kind of, you know, not bite the bullet a little, but I think the Canadians realize they need a massive shift in um, identity and tone of their game. So you're building now not around Carey Price. You're building around Nick Suzuki. Yeah. And so the things you need to get for Nick Suzuki are you need to get him, first of all, a left-wing power forward. You need to get him a real top pair defenseman. The The middle of the team, it will be fine. You can always find middle six guys, but you need to go out and get and real... And we have a good core of, of, of forwards that can fill that position. Exactly. Even all we, the way down to the We need to get line. superstars. And it's we just, had yeah. two third overall picks that both weren't superstars. We need, re- we need reliable goal scoring yeah. and like reliable... like Not even goal scoring, like reliable point totals. Like yes. I need a reliable point total. Like I need a guy who One I know... One guy point per game every year. Yeah, I need a, I, I need a guy who I can guarantee you with 95% certainty barring injuries he'll get 75 or more points and that'll be Nick Suzuki as of this year we need one more though but we need him to be playing with someone exactly and you know it's this is kind of I again this is something we have talked about I'm happy to hear that other people are noticing it too Um, this was also talked about on uh, TSN this morning was um, we're fitting players into positions where they don't belong so a perfect example it, well, take your pick, actually, now I think yeah, about it. Tons. Jonathan Druin into the center position. Kotkaniemi being drafted, that came down to we need a centerman, we take a centerman. We should have drafted Brady Kachuk. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, he was supposed to go third. We'd have Kachuk, Suzuki, Caulfield. Exactly, and that is a line for the future. I yeah. mean, Kachuk is now the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, if I, I know hindsight's twenty twenty here, but... Morgan Riley went fifth the year Galchenyuk got drafted, so you could have easily taken Morgan Riley. Um, Kotkaniemi third again. You had other options like these things are. It's it's not these wild stretches where, oh, uh, you know, Kaprizov was in the fifth round because he's Russian and we could have jumped on that. It's like no, I understand. Yeah, I, I think you know in terms of management as a whole, I think. You know, generally when you see a, a, a you know a GM move on from a team, you know you you kind of keep the periphery around there, and you you let let's say in our case like a Trevor Timmins, you know kind of not take up the mantle, but he'll be there to kind of show the new GM the ropes in the first few months. But I think basically with, with this team, I think for the first time in a long time, I can't think of another team that's done this. Maybe like a you know few years ago with. Like not a few years ago, like pre Ovechkin Washington Capitals, where like basically you take the management and you just dump it out on the street. I'm pretty sure Minnesota did it too late. Oh yeah, no, they, Minnesota. They, yeah, yeah. Well, Minnesota I mean, even did. with the players, they just yeah. dumped. I mean, look at Suter and Parise yeah. and all these guys. They Bill Guerin came in and just said, "Everyone get the yeah, fuck you, out of it's here." It's rare you see it, but you know, like basically, like I think you know, Bergevin's gone, Timmins is gone. All these guys who are kind of Bergevin's entourage, I think, just need to go. And I think it's basically the same with Dom Ducharme too. I think like. You know, we kind of did that with Claude Julien. Like, we got rid of a lot of the periphery. Um, but I think Dom Ducharme is gone for sure. I, I You know, Burroughs is kind of a question mark. Um, yeah, I don't think that... It, it's hard because Burroughs, again, it's all... The, he's a Montreal native. It gives him a stock boost. He's not particularly, like, you know, decorated. The thing. But the thing, too, is, is, like, how much blame does a guy like that take when he exactly. has no pull? I mean, like, he doesn't That's make it. any decisions. I, I really would like to see the Canadians go out and do two things. I'd like them to get a manager that basically prioritizes, um, like, not, not winning. That's the thing. I want to get a 
I, I want to build the team that is not just good for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Because I understand how important that is, but the idea is, like, you need a team that can just win all year. Yeah. And it, it just it doesn't happen when you build solely off of, let's say, like, character. You need to have a team that's just like, this is the better player. You need to go have a team that's willing to spend money. You need to have a go team. For me, like, I don't care about free agency. I don't care. I care more about trades than free agency, frankly, because they, they have more impact on our team. But the big thing for me is drafting. Enough rushing guys in because, you know, I, I can't remember how many years ago, but it was like you drafted a kid and, like, you didn't see him for four you didn't see him years. three, four years yeah. minimum because he would play in. Well, the first, the first, how many years would he he not get signed? Well, that's why that's why the drafts used to be a little bit uninteresting. Yeah. Now it's everyone watches and everyone goes to the NHL entry drafts because you're seeing these guys next year. Exactly, and it's like what happens There's is yeah, you well that, that's it. It's like and and what happened is the slippery slope of oh well you know it'll just be the first overall guy and then what happens is they I mean this is something now it's first round. Well, now it's first round because what what the trickle down happened was it was the first overall guy, but then because it's you know it's entertainment. Uh, it started with McDavid versus Eichel yeah. draft. This versus this draft. This versus that. Why you know, uh, it was I, the the first one that I can remember is Taylor versus Tyler. Yeah. Sagan and Hall. Yeah. So that's twenty ten. So we're looking at over ten year now. Ten years now pitting eighteen year olds against each yeah. other, which also pits the fans against management. It's like oh, you know, they played. Um, for example, uh, Svechnikov right away, so like we have to play him right yeah, away. Yeah, and like the reality is, is there's differences in development. I mean, yeah. like, look, look at Jack Hughes. You're putting this guy on on the second line first. Um, uh, yeah, he's he was, playing first for a while. When oh yeah, when Jusher injured. was out. Yeah, so like first line in the in the NHL, and he was coming in at like so young, and he was 160 pounds. It's like yeah. what are you, this it, he's, like, get he's him, frail. Go get him killed. That's exactly he's bigger now, and he's and then you, you even look at the bigger players. Like I'm thinking of you know seventh overall, I believe Evan Bouchard. Yeah. Okay, where it's like tenth. Tenth. Yeah. yeah. It's like you see it now with Cole Caulfield. It's like you put him in, then you peel back. You put him in, then you peel back, and then it, it this yin and yang, and like you just can't get the you can't juice the development out of him like you could if you just. Let him stay somewhere. But and just that's develop. it. And especially with a year that's going the way it is right now, what I would like to see is everyone minus Suzuki, just because he, he's established himself. If you're under the age of 23, you're going to Laval. Yeah. If you're above it's the age of Romanoff, 23. Like, Romanov's got to get down there. Romanov go down. But I'm saying, like, send everyone down that's young. Bring up all the crap we have down there. It's up, Xavier Willette should not yeah. be down there. Like, at this point, I'm saying... Let those young guys all just play. Like, literally make them like a bantam hockey team. Just make it like a bunch of brothers who just play. You know, if Romanov learns to play the right side with Gooley, for example, like, just keep them together. Or if he has chemistry with Brooke or Norlander or whoever the hell he plays with, just, like, keep them all together. Let them play in front of Primo for years before touching the NHL. Let them have chemistry. Just let all, you know, we have enough young guys. We've stockpiled all these picks and now, like, we have them spread out everywhere. Yan Mishak is back in the OHL. Yeah. We've got a couple guys in Laval. We've got two or three in Europe. Like, they're never going to meet each other. They're you, never going to play together. Yeah, you look at guys like 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 Roman, Romanov right now, and you're like, you're, you're watching his play, which is atrocious. It's worse than last year. And you're looking at how the team's playing, and you... You, you question, like, like what are we rushing right now? I mean, like, there, there's no way this team's competitive. No. Okay? Like, there, there was a glimmer of hope in the six-game mark where, you know, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's a really bad stretch. It might be actually a good sign because the Canadians, 
you know, typically come out hot than dwindle around Thanksgiving. Maybe it's the opposite this year. Yeah, exactly. It'll give us a boost. It's like, it's not. So, like, what what's the point in, you know, running these guys into the ground, pitting the city against them, and then basically ruining their confidence? Like, I, I don't really see the point there. That's why I, I really hope Cole Caulfield has a large stint down in the NHL. Like, I don't want to see him for 20, 25 games. Yeah, and the, the thing is, too, and, like, this is just... You know, we're more sensitive to it now because of Cod Kniembi, but what's the best way to lose a player? Let's just demoralize him and then lowball him on a contract. Yeah. He'll literally just leave. Yeah. If any, he'll go back to Russia. He'll go anywhere. Like, he obviously doesn't want to, but yeah, the idea is... When you look at guys like Cod Kniembi and Cole Caulfield, you really don't want to see, uh, you know, uh, you really want to see no, um, you know, ties to North America. You take these Russian guys, they have no problem going to the KHL. Yeah. Especially yeah. coming from it. Yeah. Like, no Romanov has, has played in the K. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's just, for me, and, and I'll tie, tie this back into the game, because we kind of got off topic there, but it's just, we need to really reassess, and I, I think the assessment is not a difficult one. It's, we are, we no longer need to, you know, you don't need a rebuild. The idea is, like, there's certain things you just kind of have to bite the bullet on. Like, for example, I, I like, wasn't joking when I, I went on Cap Friendly, and I was like, all right, Players forwards, just for example, in this peak around are, are supposed to peak at twenty eight years old. If you are twenty seven or older on this team, you're gone unless you have a contract clause. Yeah, like, so what that means yeah. is the only two forwards that let's say quote unquote meet the criteria, Gallagher, Anderson. But I'm talking, I'm not joking. Hoffman, Toffoli, yeah. Armia, Byron, Perot, like all these guys, just move on from them. Get picks, get players. Like really, it's you're gonna be. It's we'd be in a better position to build the team and and to really fill holes that we actually have so for me and i mentioned it before don't put brendan gallagher on your first line because he's brendan gallagher brendan gallagher is specifically a second line right winger that is it and he's closer to a third line player than a second but the idea is like he can manage those minutes but for example nick suzuki is a first line player he's on your first line christian dvorak is a second line center leave him there don't put Dvorak on the first. Don't put him on the third because it's this and that. Jake Evans, third line center. Leave him there. Like, don't go around and say, well, uh, you know, Cole Caulfield is we're projecting him to be a first line player, but let's play him on the third line right now. It's like he's going to play on the first line. It is either Laval or Montreal, yeah. one of the two. Like, move on from it. Like, yeah, don't that's... force these players into places. And obviously, there's a wiggle room. Josh Anderson can play on your second or third line, yeah. but don't play him on the first line. Yeah, that, it's it's kind of like a, um, um, you know, it's almost like a, a denial of where the team's at. Like they're they're saying, you know, the it's not pieces we're missing or X, Y, and Z. What's really missing is the line combinations. Like that really pisses me off. Like when you're desperate enough to see Metsir Perot on the first line, uh, you can't like they can't possibly look inwards on themselves and be like, that's the decision we had to make. Like, think of a team, you know, ever in the NHL that's ever been successful and had, like, when was the last time you saw, like, like, um, like, like Jay Beagle play first line minutes? Exactly. Like, it's just, the guy's not a first line guy. No, and it's, and like, it's, it's, you have your role and it's... And if that it, happens to your team, you, like, you really can't look inward and honest to your, yourself and be like, you know what? We're a, we're a winning team. Like, you two, can't. Two words. Jordy Ben. Yeah, exactly. Jordy Ben. But that was a denial was, again. It, it was like, us saying we have no other option. Yeah. And I understand having no other option, but the idea is, like, again, putting Petrie and Weber together. 
putting Kulak on the first line is denial. Exactly. Like, it's denial. It's saying, like, oh, but they play... It's like, no, they don't play well together. He plays better than Xavier Roulette. Yeah, that's Kulak what it is. is a fantastic player. It's just on he's the third not player. a fantastic first line. Exactly. His, like, his high punch-up is the second but pair. But we, we tell ourselves, like, as an organization, these stories and these fallacies... Purely because, like, we have this thing where, like, we cannot spend money now after Gary no. Price. Like, we we just can't do it. Like, you look at what Jack Eichel could have done for this team. Um, and I know, obviously, the superstar name. And, like, there's a lot of teams on him. But, like, where our team is right now, you have to try to get that guy. Like, you Caulfield, have to. Caulfield, Anderson, a first and a third was the cost for Jack Eichel. I take that every yeah. single day of the week. I would have taken that if there was another first tacked on that. Yes, I would have. And I, I, I just, I don't, you know, you, you look at our center problems right now and like, you know, we, we have, we have Jonathan Druin playing center. Okay. We have, you know, basically we're just in shambles and like Bergevin, you know, was speaking, you know, Elliot Friedman reported on it and said that it just, it wasn't the right call for the Montreal Canadiens. It's like, where does that come from? I mean, like you, you look at our team and like we, we have wingers playing center. We have, um, you know, no consistently, no consistency offensively. And we're in like a pseudo, you know, season rebuild. So what's the harm in waiting January, February for a guy to get get his surgery and stuff like that? If um, you know, we're well, just gonna it, do right? the same and, thing. And anyway. I'm, I just want to throw this out because I know I'm gonna get jumped on for this. But Jack Eichel put up 36 goals in 68 games in 2019-2020. So for everyone saying Cole Caulfield goal scoring, but Jack Eichel scores a lot of goals. Yeah, he's good for a minimum of 25 goals and and 90 points a year. Yeah. I don't think, and I think in a city like Vegas, he's going to have a lot more than that. Yeah, with Pat Shreddy and Stone. Yeah, and so the the idea is just, you need to, like, again. The last thing, because I, I forgot to save the last 10 minutes. Another thing, too, is, like, we need to figure out this injury scenario, okay? Like, the, the situation with our injuries right now is, Brutal. like, I understand other teams have injuries, not like us. No, because okay? it's also the our only, key players that are Yeah, injured. the only team I can think of that has injury problems like us is, like, Dallas and, like, um, but they did the same thing. They paid for a team of older, broken players. Yeah, Dallas and, like, Anaheim and L.A. And, like, the, the thing is, is, like, you look at these these teams, and it's still not like us, because us, we have consistently out every year, okay? We, had, we have Weber, we have Byron, we have Gallagher, we have Petrie, we have Price. It's, like, those are five of our players that are, like, they built the team around. They we all wear a letter around. on their jersey. There's, n- I, I can't think of the last time I've seen all those guys on the st- on the ice at the exactly. same time. It's like it, it was probably the playoffs, and they were all playing injured. Oh, exactly. Okay, but like in a regular season, when was the last time you saw all those guys on the ice at the same time? I know. Time? Never it, happens. Never. Now, just just to also revisit what I was saying about like you know players fitting where they need to fit. Jeff Petrie is a first line NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. Joel Edmondson is a good pair for him, so I'm okay with them together. But the idea is. Joel Edmondson probably should be on the second yeah. pair, but the idea is, like, he's kind of, like, a second that can punch up. Yeah, you it's know? like, usually you can't get two first-line guys. Exactly. Like, with defense without paying yeah, a lot. Without paying a lot of money. But the like, idea is, like, Ben Sherratt. He's a third-pair guy who can play the second line. Yeah. He's playing with Shea Weber. Yeah. Playing with Shea Weber, unless, of course, you're Victor Mete, makes you a better player. Mm. Especially when, like, you're just, like, you're built like a man. Yeah. This is the way to put it. It's like Ben Sherratt can play physical hockey. Yeah. The idea is, like, I don't want to see Ben Sherrod on the first line with whoever we replace, you know, like a David Savard. David yeah. Savard is the same thing. Second pair, you know, guy, really probably the purest second pair guy, because he's, he's better than a third pair. Not the way he's been playing lately, but yeah, generally he is as, as a whole, yeah. that's where he is. And again, Brett Kulak, third pair. Like, 
stop forcing these guys in and out of the lineup and up and down through the lineup and like just you know for example I, it I, ruins their value it ruins honestly. their value and it also doesn't give them and like we've talked about Arturi Lekkanen a million times about just like let him have a position Arturi Lekkanen should be stapled to Jake Evans on the third line yeah those are just like with that. I feel bad for him at this point. I mean, like I the, just, the, it's it, being like when you when abused. you when you look at how he played last playoffs and like when you give the guy consistency. I thought you know going into the off season, there is no way they do it again to him. And again, he's all over the fucking yep. place. He's all he's on left wing third line. He's on right wing third line. He's on left wing fourth line. Right wing fourth line jumps up to the second line. It's like what are you what are you doing with this guy? Like honestly, and they again, want him to be they want him to be Paul Byron more than anything. Yeah, and he's he's just not. No, he's he's, he's a different player. Different. Paul Byron can actually do that. Yeah, when he when he and like, I still that, wouldn't want him to do it. I, I don't want Paul want Byron on my fourth line. He, I don't want him to do it because the other players he's playing with can't do that. Right. And like when you introduce a guy in and out of the lineup like that, even if apparently he's like the nicest guy in the world, like Paul Byron, you can't breed chemistry. And like well, the it. issue is, is on winning teams, you look at Tampa Bay. These guys play together all the time. Yep. Like, they never change. When was like the last Maroon's time you line didn't is Maroon's see... Line. That's it. When, did you do... when was the last time you didn't see Stamkos and Kucherov together? Yeah, There's never. a reason why it's perfect. Yeah. Kucherov's a setup guy. Stamkos finishes. Yeah. That is why I'm saying, like, for example, I know Caulfield's having a rough time. Glue him to Nick Suzuki. If that's the plan going forward, it has to be the plan now. Look at what the Rangers did years ago. They said, hey, this is going to suck for a while, but we're investing in the kids. So get ready for some shit. (laughs) And they did. But then what ended up happening is those kids grew into something. Shesterkin got better. Um, They they brought in Adam Fox. But then now Lafreniere is playing better. The only one who was kind of laggy is Kapokako. But Hedo got better. Zibanejad grew up. Um, Kreider's Kreider. So that's why. But Panarin came in. He helped. Like they they pass recently. Yes. Wow. It's fantastic. So like what what they need to do is just... You make guys who are not separated. I know like it doesn't matter. Like the idea is that when you're losing, you don't break things up. You you really rely on what yeah, your you game fix plan the is. Problems. Like the problem between we're too worried about winning games right now than actually like being a better exactly. team. Exactly, the issue. It's like we're so worried about another loss that we just keep shuffling the deck and hoping hoping we have a better hand. But the the reality is, is like the cards are dealt. Yep. And, like, we have to play them well. And, like, the way we play them well is we set them up properly and let them grow. And we're just not doing that. And I, I think, like, that falls on management and it falls on coaching. And I think, like, really, like, heads have to roll at this point because, like, uh, you know, I, th- there's no way forward. I mean, like, you know, we, we really need to move players right now because um, clearly things haven't been working since, you know, And we're going to get butchered trading because oh, we're at people a, know we're we're an all-time People so, know we're vulnerable right now, and like the players that we need to move, unfortunately, are like and basically, you know, like you're you're getting twenty twenty five games out of these guys. Yeah. Really, and and again, I'm not exaggerating when I say these are the players that I would move because one, you can get stock back for them, but two, like you just need to trade them now while they at least have some kind of value. You need to part with, unfortunately, Hoffman, Toffoli, Armia, Byron, Paquette, Perot, Belzile. Uh, I'm trying to think of other players who are over that age limit who don't have trade clauses. Um, I, I think that covers a lot, but I mean, like, you know oh, what? Sherrod? Sherrod has a no-move. Um, Savard, we can move on from. Savard get it, like, trade him at the deadline Edmondson to a contender. Edmund, Edmondson is 27 or 28. He's fine, but he also has a no-move. 
Um, Peach, that's the thing, RD, it's not like the only ones I'm saying. Like, even as much as I like him and how he's been playing, like, trade Weidman right now, we, we give him a shot in the NHL, someone will take him. You're not going to get crazy amounts back, but the idea is, like, the Hoffmans and Toffoli's, you'll get some stuff back. The, you know, like, the, the bottom six guys, you'll get some bottom six players or some, some lower picks back. The idea is just really move on from this team that you built because it didn't work. Like, just cut your losses, and you won't have a butchered team. You know, if you move on from the guys I just named, your top six is still um, Anderson, Suzuki, and, like, uh, let's assume they bring up Caulfield eventually. Yeah. Um, second line of Drew and Dvorak Gallagher. You're not looking at the worst top six in the world, but it's it, it'll get you through this one year, and it yeah. won't be Druin at center. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And, like, your third line will yeah, still Evans. be Lekkonen, Evans, and put someone else bring in someone there. Then bring up Paling for the fourth line. Bring up, bring up Paling. Exactly. Like, just start to commit to the plan you started five years ago. Yeah, I know. It's it, it's it's in and out, and it's inconsistency. And then, like, we really have to figure out the coaching situation because I look at Dom Ducharme behind that bench, and I see, like, just absolutely a guy who's given up and a guy who looks like he is unfortunately rearing into the, um, you know, kind of nasty, I'm kind of placing blame on, you know, external factors. Yep. Like, um, I mentioned the goaltending thing the other day and, you know, now I see him talking to the media and he's saying, I'm not going to say something for uh, you guys to post on YouTube for the next 20 years. You know, I... I don't really like that kind of defeatist um, mentality. I, I, I'd much rather a guy, like, you know, you, you see coaches like Barry Trotz, Paul Maurice, who are very, like, I know I know things are shitty right now, but fuck, I'm going to clean it up. Yeah, you know it's I mean? like and they want to lead you into the fray, not push you into it. Yeah, like, Paul Maurice, if this happened with, with Paul Maurice, like, Paul Maurice would be talking to the media for two hours. Exactly. He'd be like, this is what's fucking wrong. I don't think Ducharme can talk for two hours. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I, I, just, I don't like the mentality, and like, I, 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 I'd be very surprised if, you know, the first move is going to be by Berger, I think. Like, I think Berger will think it's move Duch- I, Again, I th- oh, by Berger, like, like yeah. he will make the... I thought you meant, like... like I think I Berger like, will <laughs> panic first. I thought you meant, like, bye bye Berger. No, no, I think Berger <laughs> will panic before Molson does, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I mean, I would, too. If I'm the owner, I don't have any panic. Yeah. You know, it's a, the, the GM, it, no one can fire the owner. Yeah. So, anyway, I got it got diverted a little, but... But, again, like, the, the thing is, is, like, you this know... This is more interesting than a, the game. We keep apologizing it, but the, the problem is, is, like... It, it, it's proof it's not a fluke anymore. Like, it's the same shit every game. Yeah. I mean, like, we can't play Detroit for 82 games, okay? Like, and, like, a bertuzzi less larkin less Detroit. Like, we have to play real teams. The New York Islanders is a real... They, they are a real team. Okay? Like, well, they've been to the quarter... And the they, semifinals yeah, the and last they, four years. You know, they have an identity. And, like, this is the thing. is like, we don't have an identity. And, like, you, you don't know what you're getting from Montreal Canadiens. And, like... Um, you know, things have to change, and, like, there's not much to comment on these specific games because like, it, it's a whole slew of issues that we've outlined ad nauseum, and, like, um, you know, we, we kind of just have to sit here and wait for something to change. Well, that's it. So, 6-2 loss for the Canadians. Um, tomorrow night, the Golden Knights are in town, so we'll see how that goes. Obviously, no Eichel just yet. He's got to have his surgery or whatever he's doing. Yeah. But um, still a strong team, but they are struggling. So maybe the Canadians can 
at least take advantage of that. Yeah. Hopefully get something going. Price should be back for the next few weeks. Yeah, Price should be back in the next he's few weeks. He's going to be back with the team on Monday, but he's obviously not playing yeah. right away. So, so other than that, uh, I think, hopefully... Uh, I think Jake Allen's having a stogie on his balcony honestly, right now. Knowing like, that Price is coming back. Not well, the best showing from him last well, that, night. Well, that's but. it too. It's just like you can't... Like It's just not fair to him either. But anyway, um, hopefully better news when we contact you guys next. Yeah. But uh, as of now, we'll see you on Saturday. Saturday. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.